We are in Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15. And I'm going to read this in your hearing with very little comment because once we sing again, then I'm going to come back to Proverbs 15. As I was looking through this, I, I decided to make a message from Proverbs chapter 15. So that's, uh, maybe we'll go back to the tongue sooner or later, but uh, for this afternoon, I just want to look in greater detail at this proverb, and especially one statement that's made in the proverb that will be the springboard upon which the message will come. So you try to figure out what verse that is and see if you get it right. Proverbs chapter 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of the fool sprouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. The thuthing tongue is a tree of life. The perversion in it crushes the spirit. A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Great wealth is in the house of the righteous, but trouble is in the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not so. Sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves one who pursues righteousness. Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. Sheo and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. A scoffer does not love one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. A joyful heart makes a cheery face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. The mind of the intellect seeks knowledge. But the mouth of fools feed on folly. All the days of the afflicted are bad, but the cheerful heart has continual feast. Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms dispute. The way of the lazy is a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright a highway. The wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is the joy to him who lacks sense, but a man who of understanding walks straight. Without consultations, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. The path of life leads upward for the wise, that he may keep away from Sheol below. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundaries of the widow. Evil plans are an abomination to the Lord, but pleasant words are pure. 
He who profits illicitly troubles, he who profits illicit troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Bright eyes gladden the hearts, good news put fat on the bone. He whose ears listen to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself. He who listens to reproof requires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. I think it could be easily said that if I was going to speak on the tongue, this would be a great chapter. Do you take notice how many times he talks about our tongues or our speech or our words and how they are used? But that's not what I'm going to look at. Before we do come to open this up in greater detail, I'd ask that you take your hymns of grace. Hymns of grace number 35, O Great God. Number 35 in the hymns of grace. Let's stand together.
Well, this afternoon, I just want to take a little while to look at Proverbs 15 with you. My outline is fairly simple. There's, first of all, a general statement that I want you to notice with me, and then that will be followed by specific areas. So, general statement and specific areas. And the general statement that I want you to notice with me is the verse found there in verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. The statement is quite general. He makes it clear that the eyes of the Lord... Now, God is a spirit, so He does not have physical eyes like you and I have, but it is, I forget the big word that's used, it's describing God in a way that we can better understand uh, Him and what He's saying. So in this statement, the writer of Proverbs is telling us that God is always watching us. Charles Bridges, in his commentary on the book of Proverbs, says this, His inspection of the universe is so minute, exact, and unweary. His inspection of the universe is so minute, he he sees the littlest of things. It is not only minute, but it's exact. He sees them clearly. Uh, we don't always see things clearly. I, I mentioned to some of you that I, I lost my progressive lens glasses. So I've had to go out and buy these cheaters, that's what they call them, so I can see at least the words on the page. But when I take them off, maybe I shouldn't tell you this, you're, you're somewhat fuzzy. And, and to be honest, I can't tell with these off who has their eyes open or who has their eyes closed. Now. Don't test that, but, but the fact is, as I've gotten older, the eyes have gotten older, and I don't see things as clearly as I once did. God sees everything clearly, even without cheaters. So he sees every minute thing, he sees things exactly, and he's unweary. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't say, I need a, I need a break. I, I'm tired of watching. He grows unwearied. And the Word of God makes this reality clear to us over and over and over again. Let me give you some examples. In Jeremiah 23 and verse 24, Does a man hide himself in a hiding place so that I do not see him? declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? declares the Lord. Do you think you can find a place where you can hide and I won't find you? Because at the end of the day, I'm all over. There's no place you can go that I'm not there. I feel the heavens and the earth. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden and they fell into sin, their reaction once they ate from the tree of life was this. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve tried to hide, but they couldn't. They can't hide from God. 
in the word of God in Job. In Job chapter 34 and verse 21, Elihu is speaking to Job about the works and the ways of God. And this is what Elihu says. For the eyes are upon the ways of a man. He sees all his steps. There is no darkness or shadow where the workers of iniquity can hide themselves. Isn't it interesting that usually when men are doing wrong, they want to shut the lights off. They want no light shining. They don't want anyone to see them. But, but God sees them clearly. The, the psalmist says in Psalm 139 something about that, that, that even the darkness is as light to God. So if you find yourself in the darkest place possible and you think to yourself, I can now get away with something because nobody can seize me. God says to us, no, my friend, I've got a big spotlight on you and I can see clearly everything you're doing. Proverbs 5 and verse 21. The ways of man are before the Lord the eyes of the Lord, and He watches all His path. You get, you, get the, you, get, you get the statement? The eyes of the Lord are always watching. They are always upon you. There's nothing you can do. You, you can do things where mom and dad may not know. You can do things when your pastors may not know. You can get away with things that your spouse may never know. But you'll never do anything that God does not behold. Do we live in that reality? Or are we at times practical atheists? In certain situations, do we have a mentality that says, no one will ever know. And in saying that, we forget about God or we don't want to think about God. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. God sees everything. He, he knows everything. How does that truth affect you? What, what's your response to that thought? God knows. One of the Judy Rogers songs, I, I forget how it goes, but it, it was something about I'm hiding from mommy and daddy and they cannot see and they cannot know. But, but it goes on to say something about God always sees me. We teach that to our children, but do we believe that? Do, do we live like that? God always sees me. How does that truth affect you? We often live as though it's not true. Now notice, the statement isn't just that the eyes of the Lord are in every place. But we notice he specifies what he is beholding. And it says here in verse 3, watching the evil and the good. So when you think about God beholding everything you do, oftentimes, don't our thoughts, mine do, go negative? He sees the bad things I do. 
He, he knows when, I, when I, my temper flares up or, or, or He knows when I'm thinking about things I ought not to be thinking about or, or He knows when I'm telling a lie or He knows when I'm going to a certain place. My mind, when I think God beholds everything I do, my mind tends to think negatively. But here we're told He beholds not even the ev- not only the evil, but He beholds the good that you do. He takes note when you do good things. He watches that. And so there are times when we may do something and perhaps we may think, I don't feel appreciated. No one said thank you. No one seemed to really notice. Right? Um, I, I just think about what's going on around here and the work that's been done. Right? When you, I, mean, I haven't been in, I, I, honestly, I, I have been in there, I guess. I, I was going to say I haven't been in the ladies' restroom, but, but I have. They were painting it at the time. It was, and, 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 you know, it looks like it's bigger. It's what you've been wanting. And, and, and perhaps we've not thanked those who worked on it enough. And they think, I, I, I feel nobody noticed. And, and, and we got to step back at times and say, you know what? God did. God took note. Right. You know, how many of us drove up this morning and, and never gave any thought to the new landscaping? I probably would have done that, except I came over here Friday night and there's like 25 bags there in the entryway of mulch and everything else. And I'm thinking, what is this? And then came up this morning and Look how nice that looks out there. And all that work. I know sometimes when I do stuff like that, nobody will notice. Nobody will notice. God takes note. God sees. He sees the evil and the good. So that, that leads me then, the rest of our time together, to look at specific areas. God knows our outward behavior. He also knows our innermost parts. He, he, he takes note of all those things. So, so what I want to do is, in just looking down through this proverb, I, I want you to consider with me the evil he beholds, the evil he beholds, and then the good he beholds. And may we consider this together. So I'm just going to list these things off. I think I've got um, nine evils that he beholds. But it's all on one sheet, so don't think on oh, nine points. We're going to be here till next Sunday. No, I'm just going to set these things before you. And, and then there's six things I want to say about the good he beholds. Just looking at the passage, not opening up and expositing it in great detail. First of all, God sees the tongue of the fools. God sees the tongue of the fools. The harsh word stirs up anger, verse 1. The tongue of the wise make knowledge acceptable. The mouth of the fool sprouts folly, verse 4. The perversion, the perverted tongue we might say, crushes the spirit. Verse 14. The mouth of fools feed on folly. Verse 28. We read, the mouth of the wicked pour out evil things. God takes note of how you use your words. 
God sees how you speak to people when others aren't around. God sees how you speak about other people when they're not around. God notes if I use harsh and foolish speech. Don't think God doesn't notice. Don't think God doesn't notice when I use my tongue to destroy somebody else or hurt somebody else. God takes note of those things. He watches. That's why we've got to guard our tongues. God knows. God knows what you say when it's just you and your spouse in the car. And how you say it. And how you speak about other people. God takes note of that. So first of all, God sees the tongue of fools. Secondly, God sees when you disregard instruction. He sees when you disregard instruction. When you don't have a teachable spirit. When you're not willing to let someone instruct you for your good. When there's a pride that rises up to say, Who are you to tell me how to live? Now, hopefully, we do it with kindness. Hopefully we do it with the desire to help someone. Hopefully it's not with, with pride that we go to someone. i got a few things I want to teach you. But it's with a real desire to help a brother or sister, even with regard to their walk with God. Verse 5. Fool rejects the father's discipline. Verse 10. He who hates reproof will die. Verse 12, A scoffer does not love the one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. How practical is that? Someone comes to you and they've got just a, 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 a helpful criticism or some way that they've seen in your life that you need help with. And, and with all humility, they come and, and you won't listen to them. Or you know you need help in an area and you won't go to someone for help. You you don't want anybody to know. God takes note of that. God notices that. Thirdly, I gotta keep moving, or we will be here till next Sunday. Thirdly, it's what I call God sees a hairpin trigger. He sees a hairpin trigger. A hot-tempered, verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. Now, I'm not a hunter. I've got guns. I've got several guns that I've never shot. They were just, I inherited them. I've got, you know, one 9mm that I've taken out on a range and, and so forth. And, and whenever I've gone out on the range, especially with the state police or something like that, and, and, and they always meant, don't touch that trigger. Until you don't touch that trigger till you're ready to shoot. Because you don't want to pull it and have it go off. And so, being the gunsman that I am, you know, a couple of times you put a gun up, you put your finger in the trigger. Get your finger out of the trigger! Why? I don't want it to go off! Right? And there are, are some individuals who live the same way. Don't, don't push that or bam! He's going to be set off or she's going to be set off. And God takes note of that. He sees that. 
Fourthly, God beholds rebellious behavior. Rebellious behavior. Verse 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Verse 20, the wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense. God takes note of a man who's going to live his own life, do his own thing. God sees. God sees this when it comes to the use of various things, various issues in life. When it, when it comes to money and, and how you use your money, God takes note of the foolishness that maybe you involved with your money with. Your time, your material possessions. God takes note as to whether or not you're, you're living by his principles and how you're doing that. Or if you're rebelling against them. Number five, laziness. God takes note of laziness. Verse 19, he who loves transgression loves strife and he who raises his door seeks destruction. He doesn't go out and work. He doesn't, he's, he's lazy. He doesn't give himself to industry. When something needs to be done, you can't count upon him to do it, or he won't finish it. Six, pride. Pride. Sin of pride God beholds. The eyes of the fool, verse 24, but the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. He thinks he's got it made. He's filled with pride. Seven, hypocritical worship. Hypocritical worship. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. That's why I can't find the verses that I'm looking for. Um, pride. We're at verse eight. The ways are an abomination. Um, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Here's a man who, who gives himself. I'm sorry, let's start again. Religious or hypocritical worship is verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Here's a man who sacrifices, but his heart's not in it. God takes note of that. As we mentioned this morning when we began, if God watches everything we do as we worshiped him this morning, that's a good thing. Singing is a good thing. Praying is a good thing. But if our hearts are not right with him while we do it, God takes note of that. You may have pleased everyone around you, but God is not pleased. Uh, when it comes to pride, it is verse 25. I was reading the wrong place. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud. He will tear it down. He takes note of that. So we have five laziness, verse 19. Six, pride, verse 25. Seven, hypocritical worship, verse 8. Eight is evil plans. God beholds your schemes that are evil. God takes note of them. Verse 26, the evil plans are an abomination to the Lord. He knows when you're scheming to do evil, and he beholds that. And with that idea, there's also the fact that he knows your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. 
You can't think anything that God doesn't know. Now, that's, that's, that's a sobering reality, isn't it? I mean, I, I, there are times... There, there are times I'm glad you can't read my thoughts. Right? And there are times I'm glad I can't read your thoughts. But God reads both of them very clearly. He beholds them. He sees them. Dishonesty. God beholds dishonesty. Verse 27. He who profits illicitly troubles his own house. A man who gains wealth by dishonesty, God takes note of. God notices these things. So, so here are the evils that God beholds. Now, now, some of these things we can behold, but some of these things we can't behold. I, I don't know if your heart's filled with pride or not. Now, Evidence may come out sooner or later, but just looking at you doesn't tell me if your heart's still... But God knows. I, I can't look at you as far as I know. Our worship today, you, you've all entered into it. And, and, and as far as I know, you're sincere in your worship for God. But could, there, there could very well be some who have hypocritical worship. And I can't behold that. God knows that. God beholds all these things. He beholds the evil. He sees it clearly. Now, that leads us to the fact that he beholds the good. He beholds the good. And here there are six things that I would have you notice. Six good things that God beholds. First of all, godly speech. Godly speech. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Verse 2, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. Verse 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. Verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge. Verse 23, a man has joy in an apt answer. Verse 26, the pleasant words are pure. God takes note of speech that we use to build each other up. How have, how have we used our tongue this morning or this afternoon? Has it been to bring kindness and encouragement and joy to others? Or to tear down? God takes note of godly speech. Number two, He takes note of when you listen to instruction. When you're teachable, when you're willing to humble yourself and acknowledge, here's maybe a blind spot in my life. Can you help me in dealing with these things? Verse 5, he who regards reproof is sensible. Verse 4, the mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge. He wants to know. Verse 22, With many counselors, they succeed. There's help in many counselors. Verse 32, he who listens to reproof requires understanding. How, how, do, we, how do we react if someone comes to us and says, can, can, can we talk for a moment? 
There's an area that concerns me, just between me and you, this isn't going to go public, but, but I'm concerned about a certain area in your life, and, and I, I just want to, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he says to me, we, we have this family, a good family, I so enjoy them, but their children are unruly. Their children are just unruly. Now, don't, it's nobody in our church, so don't try to figure out I'm talking about something. No, don't do I'm just giving you an illustration. Just go with the flow. I'm not figuring it out. Right? But their children are unruly. And, and I could see this man being used of God greatly, but, but this is going to be a hindrance to him. What should I do? Now, what counsel would you give? My counsel, no, I was going to say, my counsel was at next prayer meeting, vocally expressed, let's pray for brother so-and-so. No, that's not how you do it. How do you do it? You go to him privately and sit down. And hopefully if the young man is a godly young man, you can stand down and talk to him and say, listen, I, I want to see you greatly used of God, but I think that I see this hindrance, and that's your children. And I don't know if I can be of help to you in some way. I don't know if something else is going on. But And, and hopefully... If it, if the young man is wise, he'll thank you. Yes, I, I, I've, I've had trouble. Uh, you know, my parents did not do well in disciplining me, and I don't know if I really know how to do it well. And, and so any help you can be, what, what a blessing that is. Not to have some guy say, who are you? Your children never did anything wrong, really? You had perfect kids? You didn't ever, oh, well, who are you to talk to me? No, no. He wants to hear instruction. He gladly takes heed to it. God takes notes of our obedience. Our obedience. Verse 9, He loves the one who pursues righteousness. Verse 19, The path of the upright is a highway. Verse 20, A wise son makes a father glad. Verse 21, a man of understanding walks straight. Man, he, he knows what he's doing and where God takes note of our obedience. Fourthly, he takes note of our prayers. God knows if we pray. God knows if we pray. It's probably one of the most difficult disciplines in the Christian life, isn't it? Or is that my only confession? To take time to pray. Speak with God. God takes note of that. I imagine the Father saying, Oh, listen, he's talking to me. He wants to speak to me. He wants to speak to me. And God takes note of that. Verse 8. The prayer of the upright is his delight. The prayer of the upright is his delight. Can you imagine me? What father? What father is there who... who, who Especially once the children are gone. I don't know about you guys. But once the children are gone, to have the children call up and say, Dad, can we talk a minute? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear from you. And God says, I'd love to hear from you. That is my delight. Verse 29. He hears the prayers of the righteous. The Father sees in secret and He hears what you say. He knows what goes on in your closet. He knows if we have an appetite together with the people of God to pray together. He takes note of that. Fifthly, he beholds 
respect. Respect how we treat one another. How we treat one another. The heart, verse 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. He, he thinks before he speaks. I mean, if I, if I just rashly open my mouth, I could do a great deal of damage. The, the, the words hurt. Words can destroy. Words is like a fire. So therefore, before I say something, I, wanna, I, wanna th- I don't want to just react. I want to respond. So I'm careful. I ponder how I'm going to react. Because I respect you. I care about you. God takes note of that. And finally, reverence. Reverence. Verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. And before honor comes humility. A man who lives every day recognizing God is watching me. A holy God is watching everything I do. That's what it means to live in the fear of God. It's to reverence Him. To long for His smile. And dread His frown. And God takes note of that. God beholds the evil and the good. His eyes are in every place. He sees that. Now, on the one hand, that brings great review. And I need to confess my sin before Him. He knows my heart. Thankfully, He's a God of grace. He forgives. It also brings great comfort. It brings it. Nobody else may know, but God knows. Does that bring satisfaction? As I labor for God, if no one else recognizes that, and no one else gives heaps praise upon me. Is that enough that God sees and God takes note? You know, we tend to be we tend to be very self-centered at times. How come more people don't recognize my greatness when it should be, Lord? I'm a humble servant, and if nobody else sees the service, I'm satisfied that you behold. And that you see both the evil and the good. And it ought to motivate us to be zealous of good works. To be zealous of good works. Well, that's what I wanted to share with you this afternoon. Again, as I was reading over it, knowing that Mr. Middleton wasn't going to be here today. And and trying to think about the tongue. And I kept going back and forth reading this. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to stick with Proverbs 15. And have you leave with this reality. The eyes of the Lord... Behold, all your evil and all your good. May that help us to live as we ought, even this coming week. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us this time. Thank you for your word and the direction that we receive in that word. And pray that, Father, the very reality that you behold the evil and the good will have an effect upon our lives. Help us, we pray. May we give you the glory as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in closing, take your Trinity hymn books and turn to number 33 in the Trinity hymn book. Number 33. Lord, thou hast searched me and dost know.
Where'er I rest, wherever I go. Trinity number 33. Let's stand as we stand.